Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I talk to creative people about how they do their thing and how they keep going and how they make things happen and get people to care. So this week I'm talking to somebody who's living a dream. His name is Stephen Rowley. He is the author of the book, Lily and the Octopus, which is so terrific and it really moved me and I loved it very much. It's about a gay and his dog and it's kind of the hot book of the summer and I'm very lucky to get him on the podcast. But before we get to Stephen, I just want to thank uh, folks for visiting DennisAnyone.net. While you're there, you can uh, donate to my virtual tip jar. It helps me pay for the web hosting and expenses that come up. I really appreciate it. And uh, there's also fun pictures there that go with different podcasts. I'm going to post some that go with Stephen's podcast. He, um, he showed me the covers of what his book looks like in other countries, like Italy and uh, I think France, and he also showed me some cool fan art that he was given. Um, really great stuff. So uh, after I post this, I'm going to put the pictures up on DennisAnyone.net. Okay, without any further ado, here is Stephen Rowley. Hey there, I am coming to you from the breakfast nook. I'm calling it a nook, even though it's more of a corner-shaped thing of uh, the guest today, Stephen Rowley. He's the author of the new book, Lily and the Octopus. It's been out a few months. It's a big sensation. I loved it. I'm so excited to talk to you about it. So thank you for being here and doing the podcast. Thank you for being here in your own home. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you for, for being, letting me in. Thank right? you for being in the nook. I, I snuck in while he was asleep and just set everything up. And he's like, I guess I'll do the show. Yeah. No. If you make French toast, you could do this every morning. Exactly. I'm fine with it. This is the same nook where I interviewed your boyfriend, By, uh, Byron. Yeah, Byron. Uh, a couple, on the podcast a couple a few weeks, weeks ago. ago. So here yeah. we are. Have you ever had uh, podcast guests who've co-mingled before? Well, no. Maybe not. I don't think so. Oh, or I've done one partner and the then the other. Podcast dating game. I know. It's kind of like a speed dating situation. I yeah, exactly. I Maybe there will be more of that in the in the future. But I'm, I'm super into it and I'm super into your book. I loved it so much. Oh, thank you. I cried so much. And I'm very inspired also by the backstory of it. And, and the... How it came to be and how it went from this thing that you thought you were going to publish on your own to being like this hot book, big advance, the whole thing. So take it back to the beginning. Like what what made you sit down and start writing this story? Yeah, it's, it's kind of nuts um, how it all happened. And I'm still sort of digesting it a little bit because um, it, it is, uh, you know, it's kind of a dream come true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, for everyone who's sort of taken with the, the sort of, oh, you're an overnight success or, you right. know, it's such a Cinderella story. Like, you you never see, like, the 15 years of hard work that goes behind right. someone, uh, especially in the creative uh, pursuits. Right. Uh, before they become an overnight success. So, um, what was, uh, I had been working as a screenwriter for years, um, toiling away. Um, a lot of people outside Hollywood don't understand that you can work for years. No, I've never had anything made, but I made, you know, some money selling things that didn't get made or optioning right. other things. Did you get hired for other projects that weren't your own Yeah, ideas? I got hired to do rewrites, right. uh, punch some dialogue, that sort of thing. Um, you know, some people make very good livings uh, doing that. You know, Carrie Fisher's one who's famous for yeah. for rewriting and uh 
and uh, you know, punching up the. They used to call her a script doctor. Script doctor, yeah, yeah. She'd make the women's part more interesting or whatever. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Was that frustrating, unfulfilling, or did you sort of make peace with it? And you know what? It's a gig. It it was frustrating because um, one, there's so much waiting involved in screenwriting. Right. It's it's like you're waiting for a a financier or a producer to sign on or a director or actors and. And uh, every every step of the way, that comes with someone who has new ideas and new notes and new, uh, you know, wanting to justify sort of their creative role in this by forcing the writer to jump through hoops and right. make more revisions. And, and often in, in screenwriting, um, the end result doesn't look a lot like what the what the writer had intended uh, right. from the beginning, which is why a lot of movies, I think, are so disjointed and kind of, you know, a mess. So... Going to the book now, was it a chance to just express yourself a little bit more purely? Yeah. So when I when I sat down to write this story, it was such a deeply personal story that um, you know people asked me, you know, why didn't you write it as a screenplay? And and for me, it was I just I couldn't handle that many cooks in the in the kitchen right. with this one. I just sort of wanted a slightly more authorial control. Right. Um, uh, for my vision, um, and uh, I, I didn't want anyone to tell me no. And I, and I was when I sat down to write it, I I didn't even know I was going to write a novel. I just um, while and while it's very much a novel, I did have a dog named Lily, right, who passed away in 2013, and I'd gotten her as a puppy and raised her till she was 12 and a half or so when she succumbed to cancer, right. And um, I was really surprised by how devastated I was by that. For yeah. By that loss. I thought I was uh prepared. You right. Know. It's I, what intellectually, happens. you she know nice long life. Circle of life. I, I, yeah. It, you know, it was, she was she did have a long life and right. um she had been sick and I you know I thought I was ready to to let go and um and then like six months afterwards it really sent me into kind of a spiral of right. funk and um, some low grade depression and, and things like that, and I kind of had stopped writing altogether in that in that time period. I just couldn't do it. I get it. And, and what made you f- open up a f- document and start I, typing? I think I just did. You know what what writers kind of do sometimes, which is to try to r- write themselves out of a corner. Yeah. Um, and I get I, it. I did that by just I just started to make a list of. Memories we had, you know, meals we shared or right. uh, conversations we had. Right. Uh, writing is a very solitary pursuit. So when you spend a lot of time alone with a dog, you start to have conversations. Yeah, I do that. I just got my first dog ever a couple months ago. Yes. Like, it'll be three months yesterday. Wow. wow. I know. Wow. Like a summer. Yeah. And I, I talk to him all the time, you know. And uh, summer loving had you summer, a blast. I know exactly. It's so funny you say that because my friend Penelope is an, a writer, and she comes over sometimes to write because I have air conditioning uh-huh. that's better than uh-huh. her, better than her apartment, yeah. and also her dog Gretel plays with Enzo, right? Okay. And they get along great; it's wonderful and whatever. But then when we go to the dog park, sometimes Enzo totally Danny Zuko's Penelope and Gretel, like 
Yeah, yeah, I know you. Yeah, you, like, he, he doesn't. He totally Zuko's them, and it's like he acts too cool for them. Yeah. Like I kind of know you, but not really right. know you. I love Zuko as a verb. It is. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's I know like exactly that scene mean. at Right Out High with yeah. Sandy, Danny. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. It's cool. he, yeah, he does that a lot at the dog park, and I, I am secretly proud of it. Cause yeah, he means he's handsome. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you yeah. just get him a T-bird jacket. For sure. Yeah. So you, you decide, I'm going to make a list of these things, these conversations, these rituals. And was the first thing just like a, an essay, a, ch- a chapter? Yeah, it was like small. a chapter. It's pretty much what now exists as the first chapter in the book. Right. It just sort of spilled out of me. And um, I, I kind of thought it was a short story. And right. uh, I was like, oh, great. Well, I've written something again. I felt, you know, I felt good about that. I was like, okay, maybe I, this is getting the sort of logjam uh, unblocked. And um, I showed it to Byron, my boyfriend, who I had been dating just a few months at that time. Right. Um, uh, I met him shortly after Lily died. And uh, expect, I just sort of expected some polite encouragement, like, you know, good for you, writing again. But um, he called me about 20 minutes after I sent it to him. And, and, and he was like, stop what you're doing. This is what you should be doing with your life. Don't do anything else. Don't call me. Don't talk to me until you've written chapter two. And I thought... That's kind of amazing. Chapter two? Like, no, no, no. Like, this is it. It's yeah, done. done. You know, like, we're, I'm ready to move on. And, uh, and he was like, no, no. Chapter two. And I, 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 it was scary because I thought, oh, if I write chapter two, then I'm going to have to write chapter three. And then, right. Like, what's, what's really the off-ramp for this? Right. How far does it go? Yeah, yeah. Is there a whole book there, or is it three chapters? Like- yeah, I, I, I didn't uh, picture it uh, necessarily as a book, but, it, but because we were newly dating, and, you know, I was just, you know, puff up my chest a bit, and then, all right, I'll go write chapter right. two. Like, you know, you sort of want to impress somebody. So, um, you know, like all great works, it was done to impress a guy, I guess. Right. There you go. Now... He figures in the book at one point. I don't want to give too much away, but what was it like when you shared that with him? That he's not only did you encourage me to write this, but you kind of show up. Right, that he shows up um, as, as sort of as a character, or there's a character sort of inspired by him, which which I just sort of as shorthand while I was writing it, I, I called that character Byron. Right, um, and um, it was it was a little odd, but uh, he was very touched by it. And um, I, th- I think it made perfect sense because uh, of how much that he inspired, you know, or encouraged me to, to sort of write this as a, as a book. It just sort of made sense that he made a small appearance in it. Right. And, and meeting him was sort of something that kind of started to lift you out of the, the funk of, yeah. of losing. Yeah. Lily was the dog's name in real yes. life, right? Yes. So is that how it kind of worked in real life as it well? is kind of how it worked in in real life i was afraid that that would be that that would seem kind of pat um or too convenient um but you know sometimes you just go with the truth that's and, what it felt like it felt like the truth yeah yeah uh and that was very much my uh my truth and and you know living life in los angeles as a as a gay man particularly a younger gay man and i was 29 or 30 I think when I when I got Lily right um, it was the first thing that sort of having this puppy or being responsible for this other living thing it was one of the first things that took me out of a, a you know real sense of self and self you know we can lead selfish lives as as gay men uh, it's really easy to do like we're not you know particularly 
15, 20 years ago or so, you know, we didn't have marriages and, and kids and the, the way that um, many people do now. And, and in Los Angeles, it's it's easy just to get involved in your own drama, in your own head, in your own, you know, um, sense and of inflated self. Being gay can be a job in itself. Oh, like, yeah. You better get the fuck to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why you're wearing those shoes. Yeah. Like, if you <laughs> into all of it, it's... It's it's a lot. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So having this dog and and then and then being able to get out of that a little bit um, right. was was you know a big part of growing up for me. Right. So um, it made sense in some ways that that the completion of that relationship then opened me up to the possibility of you know another love. I love that. How do you describe the the plot of the book in a couple sentences to people that haven't read it or? Yeah, now th- this is this is an oddball, which sort of led to um, difficulty finding a publisher at first. But th- but the dog, the book is about um, uh, a man who is sort of a little bit closed off to the world, um, who has this close relationship with a dog, and he wakes up one morning to discover that the dog has a small octopus affixed to her head, sort of like a you know birthday party hat. Right, and uh, he's sort of stunned to find it there, and then um, it's just sort of uh, his coming to grips with what that might actually mean. Right. What, did it look like an octopus? Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll say spoiler alert, not really spoiler alert, because you know from the get-go right. what's going on right. uh, in this book, and that, that the that the octopus is actually, um, you know, sort of a metaphor he comes up for, for the, the tumor that she has, and Lily did have a brain Tumor and that was visible to the that naked eye. That was visible. Yeah, it was like um, it was like one of those old cartoons, you know, when someone got whacked, you know, the yeah, coyote like, got whacked wah, in the head, wah, and wah, you know, wah, it looked exactly. like Tweety Bird should be circling it. Right. Um, that's kind of what it looked like, like a golf ball size. Lump. And did it change? Uh, it Were you did, constantly looking at it, going, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I was constantly looking at it because it did. It just sort of changed her whole expression. Right. Um, this happened pretty fast. It was maybe four months since I recognized it until, you know, it was, it was kind of fast moving. So, but, um, yeah, it was something you would just sort of stare at a lot and think like, okay, how am I going to, what am I going to do about this? Yeah. I love the way you write Lily's dialogue because it reminds me of my dog. Mm -hmm. The excitement, every word is an exclamation point. The ball. Yeah. Exclamation point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she talks within for, in two ways in the book, and one is, as you say, all capital letters with an exclamation point after every letter. And that was my attempt to put a sort of English translation on her barking. Yeah, that's, so that's the way really, it seems. I think that's really fresh, and I think yeah. everyone that reads it will go, yes, that's what it's yeah, like. Yeah, if you have a dog, you, know, you yeah. know that excitement. And then the other, you know, she also talks in sort of regular syntax and in quotation marks and whatnot, just like regular dialogue that would appear in the book. And, and right. I've gotten pushback from... Some readers say, oh, I don't want to read a book about a talking dog. Well, right. you know what? Guess guess what? There's no talking dog. This is, you know, this is clearly uh, Ted, the main character, carrying on both sides of the conversation. Of because he's lonely and kind of depressed. And, right. And, um, you know, even, even, you're not depressed. If you spend a lot of time with a dog, you start talking to the dog and it's only a matter of time. Before the dog starts, starts talking, <laughs> talking to you, I'm to telling you. you. Yeah, that's just the way it works. Right. Are right, we right. crazy or we can't no, be the only one? Do you, um, when it comes to your dog, do you imagine that they have a long memory and remember when you snapped at them 
yesterday, or do they move on right away? Because I snapped at Enzo today. I'm not proud of myself. Yeah. And I like to, I think I, I've heard somewhere that they don't, I, how anyone would know this, research-wise, is that they let shit go easier than probably people do. And they forget. Yeah, I think they do forget. I, I really do. because My point is I'm abusive and I want him to well, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing with Lily, I, no creature has ever made me more angry. You know, I would get so frustrated with that dog, and 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 she was I a do dachshund. That too. Like dachshunds, particularly, um, are stubborn dogs, and I would get so angry, and then I would get angry at myself for getting angry. But well, I I realized recently in therapy that I don't express anger very much. Yeah, I go right to acceptance. Yeah. I go right, to, especially with other people, situations, relationships, whatever. I'll yell at that fucking dog. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going wait. This is coming out nowhere else in my life. Yeah. And so, God damn it, like, I'll be that guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's... It's true, though. But you know what I... Like, but I'm glad me, to hear I'm not the only one. No, you're one. not the only one. But somebody told me something that made me feel better, which was that the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And so, you know, no one made me angrier than that dog. Because but it was because I so cared much. so much about that. Yeah. About that dog. And, like, you know, we're not abusive in terms of, like, hitting the dog. But, you know, they do push our... They know how to push our buttons. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And you can't... Yeah. And you're like, please, I hope you don't remember that. I hope yeah. you remember the <laughs> other stuff yeah. as well. Um, I want to thank you for put, uh, remembering the Apache Gay Bar in Studio City. Oh my God, I Putting love that in your the book. Apache. In, it lives on in your book. Yeah, somewhere. did you go? To, you went to the we Apache. We used to call it the Creepy TP. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Um, but yeah. yeah, they had a thing called the Fifty Cent Drink Night on Tuesday nights. Yeah, and I would go, and every you know, I, I had a job. I think at. Uh, Disney, some sort of corporate Disney thing, like a long-term right. temp thing that I was doing. I right. would roll in the office on Wednesday morning looking like shit. And everyone sure? would be like, 50 cent drink night? And I'd be like, uh-huh. Like, I had the office trained, like, not to talk to me on Wednesday morning. What was your favorite memory of the Apache? God, um... I met a guy there once that I really liked. Yeah, I met he had a, long rock and roll hair. I met a we had a couple nurse of dates there once. Yeah, that we had and I wanted him to like me more than he didn't. He wasn't into it. Ultimately. Yeah, I think there, there was underwear night one night, and I remember I went to underwear night, and it was like you check your clothes at the door. You did it. You did. You did. I did that when I was like I was in I was in my twenties. So right. Made a, you know I wouldn't. I, don't know that I would do that now. Uh, boxer briefs and. Um, I remember some guy I grabbed underwear me. Now. Yeah, some guy grabbed me on the dance floor once, and I threw a punch at him because it was really like he was very drunk and very right. And, I did. and it's the only time I've ever thrown a punch at anybody. At anybody. That's a, and uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, but not like it wasn't like a perfect connect. It probably right. like hit. I was probably aiming for his, you know, right in the yeah in the in the kisser in the as kisser they say. as they say, and probably hit him in the temple or across the. You know, maybe it turned into a half slap or something, but I don't know. It's the only time I've ever really hit. They, they, nobody someone. kicked you out or anything like that. It was fine. No, it was fine. I love that you threw a punch at the Apache. Yeah, I mean, that's, if you're going to throw a punch, you might as well do it ass. at the creepy teepee. At the creep. Did you ever hear that expression, or had you heard that before? No, but it's never leaving it's me. It's good. It's a gift you've given me. I thank you. Take it and run with it. Exactly. <laughs> Um, the Grove is also there, Farmer's Market. Yeah, well, like, there was a very nice L.A. LA book. Yeah. Um, it is. Like, L.A. is, you know, is an important um, backdrop to um, to the to the story, right. I think. Um, uh, yeah. The, you know, Angelinos have dogs. We do. And, you know, it's a great dog city. 
I've never talked to my neighbors more in my life since I got a dog. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, and I know, and now I, you know, we have another dog now, so I'm out walking the dog all the time. And you know, I know the other dogs' names more than I know the oh, yeah. people's names. And you always get the dog names uh, first. Yeah, and you're comes, like, I guess I'll ask their yeah, name too. Here comes not. Fitzgerald's mom. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how it goes. I'm learning all of that. It's still pretty new to me. Yeah. Um. um but I, but LA's been a home for me since uh, you know since I graduated college, really, and. Um, uh, where did you graduate from? Uh, Emerson College in Boston. Okay, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Maine. Oh, right. Yeah. You're the governor's in a bit of hot Oh, hot. yeah, yeah. What fact, a dick with those voicemails. He's such a dick. Is he going to be ousted? Uh, I don't know. Is he going to weather it? I have no idea. Um, he's completely ineffectual anyway, so... Right. I think he's got two years left on his term, and I think I think he'll do... But he's a dick. You know, people were like, oh, maybe he has some sort of mental illness. I was like, no, he's, he's just an asshole. He's got dickus... Dick, dick, dickusitis... Yeah, exactly. Medgosa or whatever. Yeah. Um, did you get a tattoo like you do in the book? No, I don't have a tattoo uh, like the book. It's something that uh, people ask me, especially on my like author Facebook page. I go, let's see the tattoo! I get a lot of right. posts like that, and I was like, guys, it is a novel... Right. It says so right on the cover. I know it's inspired by personal events. But, right. Um, Would but, you? What do you think of tattoos? Yeah, yeah. I love tattoos. Um, right. Tattoos on the right guy are, I just think they're I so think they're really sexy hot. on guys. But they're tragic tattoos. Right. Too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the right guy and the right, and, and the right taste. And, and there are so many now. Like, uh, I interviewed the costume designer, um, Daniel Orlandi, who worked mm-hmm. on The Normal Heart. And they were casting extras for the beach scene in Fire Island, and they couldn't find any guys who didn't have tattoos. Oh, yeah. It is a thing. Like, yeah, no one did. Yeah, it was very rare. And they had to cover them up, or they just couldn't find people. Right. Yeah, so. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's so pervasive, especially here in in L.A. Right. No, I would love to. I wouldn't be surprised if I... If I do get one, and, and maybe a little bit, not the tattoo that's described in the book, but right. maybe something inspired by this experience. This last year has been transformative for me. So, I, you know, it's something I would love to remember. Well, it seems like something that was one of the saddest things of your life not only gave you something good, but gave you something amazing, at least from the outside. Yeah, it is. Like, it, it handed you a different kind of career and a, you know, a big yeah. advance. and the, yeah. Like, in other words, it made some real dreams come true. Yeah. I, I, the lesson in this for me and why why it would be, you know, I think a good thing to memorialize with a, with a tattoo is that, you know, because people give me octopus stuff all the time. I get dog stuff and I get octopus stuff. And, and right. some people are like, oh, how can you take these octopus gifts and... Um, how can you look at that? Yeah, how can you look at that? Because it the, represents... They're the villain of your piece. The villain, the, the what took your dog away. And I said, but the octopus is also... The book, which, um, which is what healed me, and I think the ultimate lesson is like you can take whatever happens to you in your life. You have the power to transform it into something great. When you finished the book, where were your dreams? What was your dream for it? What uh, were you allowing yourself to dream? Well, about when it? I finished it, I, w- I was really proud of it as a piece of writing, but. Um, you know, the voices that we have as artists in our head, those sort of nagging voices that devalue our own work, they are they are loud and they are, you know, incessant. And they are very reactive to things around you. Oh, nobody's buying gay fiction. Nobody's that, that, Right. Nobody's buying books anymore. It's yeah. all the internet and the yeah. Kindle. And, like, there's all this stuff that feels like... So when, when I read about you and I saw your, what happened with you, I'm like, yes, it can still happen. 
I found it, I found the, the the book after reading it very inspiring, but mm-hmm. also your story very inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it took it knocked me off my feet. That's for sure. Um, the first thing, like I, I did envision publishing it, but that nagging voice in my head first and foremost was like, oh well. You know, it's so deeply personal that if you didn't know me or if you didn't know this dog, then who cares? Right. Um, I just didn't know that there was uh, an audience for it, even despite the the sort of Marley and Me's and and the Art of Racing in the Rain, which was a huge hit. And uh, who's the dog in that? His name Enzo. Oh, really? Yeah. What's the name of the book? I don't know. The Art of Racing in the Rain. Okay. Garth Stein. Here, he gave me a a quote for for my jacket. Um, that's a great read. So okay, um, I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. So that's I knew like that, like dog fiction is a whole sort of sub. It's a thing genre. But but I just thought this was too too specific and with the octopus too too weird. Right. And um, so I tried to find I tried to find an agent. I um, you know I reached out to fifty or sixty different agents. But if you if you want to hear dead silence on the other end of a telephone, you know, call someone and say, would you like to read my book about a dog with an octopus uh, on its head? And uh, you can hear crickets. You can literally hear them yeah. over the phone. Yeah, over the phone. But how did it happen? The lesson that from them was like not that I needed to change the book, but that I needed to get better about how I talked about the book. Right. Um, but, you know, so I gave up, and, and partly because what we talked about with screenwriting was the, the waiting, the waiting, the endless waiting and hurdles to get something made. Um, I was tired of waiting. So I thought, well, self-publishing is becoming more and more viable. It's a way for writers to have control over what they put out in the world. And and so I thought, you know, maybe that's an option for me. And I, I started researching that and doing all the things that self-published authors do. I, you know hired a typesetter and work with a graphic designer for right. to do a cover. And, I had and, a great piece of advice from somebody who self-published. Yeah. Don't make the pages white. A lot of people that do that make make the pages white instead of sort of mm. off-white or whatever because right, right, right. real published books are never on white no, paper. They're Little ivory tip. or cream. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Some, a lot of like self-published people make that mistake. Yeah, and, yeah. and then it looks like a textbook or yeah. something weird. The other tip I got was like make up some publishing house. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, make yeah. it up and, and put yeah. it somewhere, you know. Exactly. It's with smart people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so you started researching. Yeah, I started do, doing that. And then I uh, I decided, you know, like, oh, well, I'm going to give it a pass with a freelance editor. I'm going to hire a freelance editor. Just just so when I do because the, the biggest thing about self-publishing is you get people who put things out there and they're riddled with typo errors or, and typos. You know, and continuity errors things or like whatever. That. Yeah. So I was like... I, I really wanted to be as professional as polished as possible, so I hired right. a freelance editor. Somebody uh, you just heard. Good somebody about. I found in New York uh, through a rec- you know asking writer friends and recommendations, and and um, she was really terrific. She had worked in in big publishing and uh, for years, but had had gone out on her own specifically to help people trying to self publish. And um, she did a really terrific job. I did another draft based on the work. We did together. What were her major notes like in, in broad strokes? Um, you know, actually, it didn't. Um, it didn't change the story that much. It was a full copy edit, and we talked about. Um, the, you know, I was in a good position where um, a lot of the notes I got were like more. 
I want more here. I want to understand. Uh, I want more emotion. I want more. Right. You detail. can go deeper here. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So push me really not to hold back. Um, which you know, when you are writing personal fiction, it's you know, I and and I started to become aware that this was going to be out in the world. People could read this. You're like, okay, well, this is not just you know diary entries anymore. People are going to be reading this. So right. the tendency sometimes is to to hold back on the stuff that makes you look embarrassed, embarrassed, or or really naked. Yeah. And um, so so she really pushed me to sort of let go of that and not to worry about it. And, right. Um, so that, that was a good thing that, that we did together. And then we finished our work. I paid her. I never expected to hear from her again, other than, you know, as friends, I think we're Facebook friends or something now. And, um, I got a call out of the blue, like two or three months later, j- almost as I was done the self publishing process. Like I'd hired someone to do an ebook for file. Right. And, um, like I was researching printers. That's how far right. ahead I was. And I got a call from her out of the blue and said, I haven't been able to stop thinking about your book. Do you mind if I send it to a friend at Simon and Schuster who might respond as strongly as I did to the material? And, uh, you know, <laughs> well, let me think about nothing it. Nothing bad. Yeah can come from that I suppose but I honestly didn't think anything good would come from it either right um, because uh, you know I as a writer in Hollywood like you you know I've experienced enough rejection you, you get used like, to managing you used your to, expectations yeah exactly yeah so um, I said sure but she, and she said depending on what's on her desk it might take you know two months for her to get to it right you know, that wouldn't be unreasonable. And I thought, in the back of my mind, I thought, well, in two months, I'll have this book for sale on Amazon. Right. But, okay, go ahead. And uh, that was on a... You weren't, you weren't intending to wait for this. Week. No, I wasn't going to stop what yeah, I was yeah. doing. Because, you know what, I'm not... I was done. I was just at a point where I was done waiting for other people. Right, I get it. And um, that, was a, that was on a Friday. And I got a call from Simon Schuster on Monday. Wow. She read it over the weekend? Yeah. What does the call Nothing sound like? Bad. What do they say? Uh, yeah, it was so... Well, first of all, like, I have to imagine that I she remember didn't... getting a few of those kinds of calls. Yeah. And, it, and and I haven't had one in a long time, so I'm trying to remember what they sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're kind of, ama- <laughs> they're kind of amazing. They are, they are amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the first phone call... Well, well, one, I have to imagine that she did, like... If, if you agree to do a favor for somebody, you know, like, begrudgingly, you're like... You know, I can only imagine that this is what happened. The, 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 my, the, my editor now at Simon & Schuster got it on her desk. She was probably like, I don't want to read... I don't... What? No. You know, but I'll read ten pages and say, it's not for me. Like, right. it comes in, and I'm sending it out. I yeah. don't even want it on my right, desk. Right, right, And I will have done my friend the favor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think she read ten pages and went, oh, right. crap. Yeah. You know, like, there goes my weekend. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the first phone call was, she just called me as a fan. Uh, you know, she's like, I love your, I love your work. I love this book. Um, but she wasn't even sure she would be allowed to acquire it. Because right. Because specifically at a, a major publisher like Simon & Schuster, they're building a catalog. So right. there could be another editor there for... 2016 who has a, a dog book or a you she know. doesn't have she can't green light it on she her can't own. green light it on her own but she said you know I would love to try um, and she said uh, give me a um, few weeks to try to build in-house support 
Um, and we talked. We had. She said, you know, is, is there any? Do you have any deal breakers? Is there anything you won't change? Is there anything you're not willing to work on? And I said, one. Um, I felt strongly I had to be an octopus. If you told me like, come, you know, if it were Lily and the giraffe or Lily yeah, and the yeah. hippopotamus, I was like, no, that won't that won't work. But the book's written in eight sections, and there's a lot of imagery right. throughout and whatnot. So I was talking about that, and then I and then I also said I, I don't want to de-gay the book. I don't want to turn this into a straight um, sort of experience and and love story. And um, she got really quiet and, and sad that that would even occur to me to say that. Right. She was like, I would never, ever in a million years ask you to do that. Right. Because it would be very difficult. Yeah. Not only, not only um, personally, but it was just like, that's like a page one rewrite. Like, that's... Yeah, it is, it, is a, it is a page one rewrite. And, but, you know, I was wary of, okay, well, I'm going from my little self-published book to working with a, a big... Corporate, but right. you know, and Simon Schuster is not Exxon Mobil. I know, you know, that's not like right. publishers are inherently evil. No, but uh, I thought that through myself, like with my book Misadventures in the Two One Three. When mm-hmm. I first, when it first came out, and there was some interest in it, and we had some TV deals, I was like, no, he needs to be gay. And then there were some years when nothing was happening with my career at all. If they're like, we want to make him a skinhead, fine. Where's the check? Right, right, right. Like I was ready <laughs> to jump on that so fucking fast. Yeah. I would still do it. Let's yeah. make him a skinhead. I don't care. Yeah. You know? But I so. think I felt emboldened because, you know, the, 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 so, you know, I was trying to do some quick math in my head because I knew from my research, the average first time advance, even at a big publisher, um, you know, it's still like 20 or $25,000. Right. And I was going to um, self-publish and I thought, okay, well, how many copies would I have to sell where I keep 100% of the profits? Right. Versus, and, and my background, um, I had worked as a publicist previously. So I thought, you know, I can make yeah. a... A run at this, um, so, uh, but it emboldened me to say, you know, exactly what my deal breakers were, um, and she said, okay, great, and um, let me try to build in-house support and give me a few weeks. That was Monday, and I think I got the call with uh, uh, the next call on Wednesday, two days later. Oh my god! Saying, no, we want to buy this. You need to get an agent. Right. And pro tip for any aspiring writers who might be listening. It's very easy to get an agent when you have an offer for publication. Well, that's how I did mine. You can choose. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, we have something in common, Mm -hmm. someone in common. Mm -hmm. Rob Weisbach was the person that published my first book, This Adventure in the 213, and I saw him mentioned at the end of your book, and I was Uh like, holy shit, Rob Connection. Yeah. First of all, did he want to know your birthday and your star sign? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was Absolutely. one of the first things he asked me. So how did you get involved with, with Rob? With Rob? Well, it was... Uh, so Rob is actually someone I had met um, years and years ago because we have a mutual... A good mutual friend. Um, and my very first... One of my very first jobs out here in L.A. was I was working at a literary agency. Now, in Los Angeles, that's... Um, and, you know, I was just an assistant on someone's desk. But the... Um, a literary agency in Los Angeles were largely doing film rights for books. Right. Um, and also some, like, celebrity autobiography and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but, so, Rob was a publisher at the time and had his own imprint at, at William Morrow. Yeah, uh, William Morrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, where he was your publisher. Right. But, so, so s- this mutual friend, knowing that I was working at a literary agency, said, oh, you should meet this publisher. And right. And he's in L.A. every so often. So, so we had met then. And it, so... 
He had a long career as a publisher, and about two years ago, he decided he wanted to switch over and be on the agent uh, side of things. So he started um, out. And when I finished this, it was somebody I had contacted him and sent him the manuscript and asked him to read it. But he was in the process of moving from New York to L.A. at the time, and it just didn't. Does Ron live here now? He lives here in L.A. Holy uh, shit! I didn't know that. I have to reach out to him. Yeah, see him. Um, and, uh, but it just, you know, it just wasn't the right time. And he was, you know, to be honest, I was like, oh, this dog, octopus, do I want to read this? You know, it sounds weird. Uh, so it just sort of fizzled out at the time. But when I had the offer for publication, I, you know. Now it's a different story. <laughs> now it's a different story. Now it's yeah. a different story. So I reached out to him again and he said, okay, give me, give me 24 hours to read this and, um, let's see what we got. And how did he influence it once he came on board? Did he was he able to? Because you, it was publicized that you got a near near million dollar advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. It's weird to talk about money, but they publicized that, and I think it must be a way of telling the public, "Hey, this book's worth reading." I think it's a tool. Right? Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I know it's always awkward to talk about the money. Uh, I, but I'm just curious as to why they publicize. Why yeah, do publishers publicize how big the advance was ish? Yeah, because it's a way of announcing that we are throwing our full weight. We believe in this, this book, book, and you should give it. And a there are still so many books. It's really yeah. hard to break through and to not get lost um, in the shuffle. So. You know, you're, you're um, really dependent on any way that you can get media attention for your book. And, and that and does it. the size of the deal makes it a story. It's right. still It's still flashy. And you know what? It's, um, it's something I've been on the other side a lot of times because, you know, like R.I.P. Gawker now. But, like, I used to read Gawker and, the, and they would always say, you know, when someone got a seven-figure advance for a book, they'd always do that and all the... You know, Gawker commenters would pile on and be, and I would too. I would be like, "Ugh, gross." That asshole. Yeah, yeah, like there would be someone who got, oh, I got, you know, she got um, seven hundred thousand dollar advance based on eighteen pictures in her Instagram feed or something, right. and you're like, "Son of a bitch," yeah, you know. Yeah, so I, remember, I get it. I remember like, reading about Andy Cohen's advance. This was yeah. like four or five years yeah. ago, and I was like, "Oh, fuck." I mean, and yeah, celebrity advances are another, yeah, it's another whole thing. thing. I know, but. Um, you know, it's it it is weird because I remember judging big advances right. before. And being you know, I was person. on the other side of it. Um, um, but also, how does something? It, but but here's the thing: like I, you know, and there was some scorn thrown at me. But I, you know, it's yeah, not like I'll, I sat. I'll, I didn't I'll feel bad about that all the way to the bank. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't. Also, I didn't set out to. I didn't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write something that's going to get me right. seven figures. I'm. I just sat down to write something to help me to heal. Right. Like, but I think it's the purity that people respond to, and yeah. I think it's the purity that the publisher responded to. What I'm interested in is it, you ended up going with Simon Schuster, who was the first big publisher to read it, right? Yeah. So, how does an advance get that big when there doesn't see? Was there a bidding where other people brought in the mix? Uh, no. But when when I when I signed on with Rob as my agent, um, uh, I think he immediately told you know he, told them he, he it was like you you have something special on your hands and you need to step up and show God that or we're him. gonna He's, start go or we're immediately gonna go to other he uses publishers. special powers. Yeah, and then so he, has he uses special, special powers. He has special book powers. He has special people powers. He he's really um, just a magical human being. He is, and uh, so, and I, I love that we have that connection. That's well, the, you just the, told me that you were at my book party for Misadventures in the I was, in yeah. 1998. Yeah, at the Chateau Marmont. At the Chateau Marmont. Yeah, I mean, if 
Because he, like, had, he had invited the mutual friend that he and I have, yeah, and she invited me. Yeah, who was the mutual me. friend? I wonder uh, if I met Marcy Natkin. That sounds familiar, yeah. that I met her. Yeah. Um, but if I were to go back and replay one night of my life to experience it again, I think it might be that night. It was magical, and I'm only saying that as an extra. Like, you were the star of the... I was just an extra. You know, it was... And it was really amazing. Because you had some great people that... Like, I remember... Um, uh, Jennifer Lee Cox was yeah. so amazing. I met her. She was running. I brought from in someone friends of mine. That, I brought in some friends of yeah. mine that to read parts of the novel mm-hmm. with me. Jack Plotnick, mm-hmm. Kathy Griffin came. Yeah, I remember Kathy. Um, and Jennifer Elise Cox. Yeah. And we did the little reading at Book Soup, yeah. which was an amazing story. Yeah. And then everyone um, went to the chateau. Down the street to the chateau. And, and you had the penthouse. We had the penthouse, which was yeah. incredible. It, and I remember standing with Rob and looking out at the Marlboro billboard mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard. Oh, that Marlboro man. And really going, remember this moment. Yeah. Because you don't know if it's going to, yeah. what's going to happen. Like, it, it, it wasn't like, oh, this is the beginning and it's only up from here. Right. Like, I knew that this was extraordinary and yeah. it didn't mean anything about the future or anything about the past. But I really tried to soak it in because it was, it was a pretty special night. And I also remember two friends that I invited fooling around in the bathroom. And I think David Santo, who has worked with Rob, who did a lot of the hands-on editing on my book, he's great, was staying in the suite. So at a certain point, everyone had to leave. And two friends of mine were um, screwing around in the bathroom. And we had to be like, you know, whatever. And I remember my friend Tony grabbing a camera out of my hand when they came out and he goes, here, I want to get a picture of Tacky. <laughs> and, um, oh it was just a crazy night. Like Laura Linney was there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Laura Linney. Laura Linney was there. I don't Laura Linney. And I, I'm very, um, it's very poignant for me to think yeah. about that. I was, hope the Marlboro man remembered that night too. As like, remember this moment because, yeah. you know, that was the end of his, Time that was his, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was it. It's down here for both of yeah. us. Um, but yeah, it's hard because you do think, you know, like even right now, like you know, I, I'm having a moment, but it's I clawed my way to get here, and there's you know, you know, and I fully pre- prepared to have to claw my way for the for it's the next very, one too. Yeah, but it's when somebody gets it, it's incredibly validating. How close did you come to giving up? Along the way, not necessarily with this book. Oh, many. But were there times where you're like, I cannot fucking do this anymore? Oh yeah, with screenwriting, especially because you know every time you know I would go on these meetings. Oh, we would love your script, but you know we'd love for you to also rewrite it with all of our notes for free. And you do that over and over and over again, just trying to please people. It's like, oh, I can just na- nail this draft the way they want it, then everything's made. And and I would do that, and I was like, I've been working years for. For no money. And this is, I'm, t- you know, you would get so tired of it. And then um, when I, I was able to work as a writer and support myself that way for a few years but mm-hmm. a- after the writer's strike um, in, oh, I forget when that even was. I, it know, was, it was seven, I feel like it was 07 away. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I had something so close to, to going to production and then it all fell apart with the strike. And I was back to ground, you know, back to square one. And I was so frustrated. And I had to, I had to take a, a day job at the time. And I had some 
odd training along the way as a as a paralegal. And so I, I took a job in a, in a law for an entertainment law firm right. to pay the bills because I thought, okay, well, I don't have a JD. I'm not. It's not like I'm going to be chasing a promotion to attorney. Right. So I was like, I can leave it at the office. Right. Um, it, and it sometimes, pays well. Sometimes when you're in getting the shit kicked out of you, you yeah. just have this fantasy of I need to go somewhere. Yeah. I need to do a thing. Yeah. And I need to get a check. Yeah. Yeah, and it was nice. I got raised Physiologically, to, that needs to happen or I'm going to fucking die. Yeah, uh, I'm going to... I'm Yeah, I was like the, the Michael Douglas... What's the Michael Douglas movie? Uh, falling falling down. down. Yeah, I'm going to have my falling down moment. Right. Um, and I did that for a few years, but the, the, the sad thing about that was that I, I was working in an entertainment law firm as I ended up... The bulk of my day was I was writing contracts for other artists whose dreams were coming true. Oh my god. And that will make you want to open a vein. There are some days where I look online or whatever and this person that was my contemporary there is doing this Mm -hmm. and this person is doing that. Yesterday I got like 50 of them right in a row. Bam, 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 bam. Um, And what do you do with it? Yeah. I mean... You know, I've got my therapy and my meditation on, and I do my yoga and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And, and so you were... My friend Jonathan Tolans, um, who wrote uh, yeah. Matt Buyer and Seller. Buyer and Seller, which Michael Yuri did the audio book yeah. for this. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. He's so good. He's so great. And I want to listen to it. Did he such... do voices and stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I'll give you a copy before you leave. Um, I have, I'm writing down Michael Yuri because there's something I want to talk about with him. Oh, good. He's a sweetheart. Um, so we were talking about... I just lost my train of thought. Oh, shit. Uh, Jonathan Tolans. Oh, Jonathan Tolans. He did the podcast, mm-hmm. and I was talking to him about L.A., and he had his ups and downs as a writer. And, yeah. he, and there's a quote that I bring up that he told me on, on the podcast, and I bring it up all the time. He goes, being in L.A. is like being in a casino and feeding all these coins into the slot machine and everyone's paying out all around you yeah yeah. and he goes sometimes you have to get out of the casino I asked him why he didn't live here he goes sometimes you have to get out of the casino I love that so that must have been what it was like at the law firm and you would you would see the amounts right I would see the amounts yeah I would see and it, and it always looked so easy and I would just I would get so depressed I was like can I just draft a nudity rider or something instead right something you know? other than this this yeah nothing that's like the, the dreams come true file. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the inbox of like, well, let's see whose dreams come Came true. true today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That must have been tr- well, tough. Well, I toil in obscurity. Um, yeah, it was. It was, re- it was. it was really tough and it made me sort of question what I want to do. And then if, if, if this is what I'm doing, why am I doing it in L.A.? Why don't, you know, why am I not just being a paralegal in another city where I could at least have where a you're decent not in the standard casino. of living? And yeah. I'm not... In the goddamn casino, yeah. 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 Um, so Michael Yuri made a documentary a few years ago about Oral and Terp mm-hmm. uh, in high schools. Okay. Like speech and drama, yeah. basically. Yeah. Which I was big into that scene mm-hmm. in my little town. That was kind of my first foray into storytelling and creativity and performing and acting and whatever. My teacher was my most influential teacher. So anyway, but he was hardcore into it. I think in Texas... Yeah, he's and Texas. yeah, so I bet he tore the shit out of the performance of this book. Oh, he's great. Well, he's I mean, a great he's actor, a, but he's also like familiar with like being different characters. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, in terms of so recording an audiobook is it's solo performance, and he's a master at solo performance. Right, right. Um, he's just a genius and such a sweet guy. And he called me uh, uh, when he got the job, and we spoke on the phone for like two hours. He wow. was like, you know, I want your voice in my head as I do this, and. You know, he I have to listen to it now. Yeah, he's so so great. 
I one of the I uh, I went back and listened to the Perks of Being a Wallflower audiobook. Mm-hmm. Whoever did that Who did, yeah. was incredible. I hadn't heard of them, but incredible. It's a whole other thing. Yeah. Did you go to the taping or anything of it? I know I didn't because he did it in New York and I was yeah. here and. Um, you know, I, yeah, I desperately wanted to. But it also, uh, I knew I would be in the way. Uh, right. So this book is written in the first person, and I hear it, you know, for years I've heard it in my head as a right. very specific way. So I didn't want to be in the booth with Michael cringing if he right. no, gave his own interpretation to a line. Like, yeah. there's no good, there was no good that there's could no come from that. You yeah. do need a cute photo op, though, in a bookstore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, or we're both wearing the headphones, uh, headphones the cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When I did, speaking of headphones, when I did my audiobook uh, for Misadventures, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a face on the cover. Right. And I did a photo, a picture with it with headphones and <laughs> that image to promote or whatever. That's I, What's it like to be an author... You know, having a, a moment now during the age of social media, because when I had my books, that wasn't a thing. And um, I'm pretty relentless with self promotion and stuff, but I don't know what that game is. What do you do? How are you, how much are you expected to do? Does it come naturally? Um, you know, I, I use some of it comes after. Like I use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I sort of draw the the line there. I don't understand. Do they tell you, Snapchat "Hey, we would love anything. for you to, to post X amount of times a day"? Yeah, they do. I mean, it, it's they really have- it's really awful. Uh, you know, I have a friend who was trying to find an agent for his book, and he had an agent tell him outright, "Oh, I don't sign anyone with fewer than ten thousand yeah. Twitter followers," and it's just like, oh, like is is that what? Yes, that's a knife to the heart. Is I that know. is that what this is come to? Because it. Being adept at social media does not speak anything. Or being able to write in 140 characters does not mean you can write 75,000 words. Right. Um, and but it's it a job shouldn't. qualification now. But it's a job qualification yeah, now. For sure. And I, I don't have that kind of following, although I'm building a following. Um, but I, I you interact. I do enjoy it. Um, like, some elements of it has been a real surprise. What I've loved on Instagram is, and this sort of happened organically, and... Um, was a total surprise to me is that so many people started posting pictures of their dog reading the book. You right. know, they would do these cute poses. I have one with me with, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I shot one. And those were so meaningful to, like, I just, um, I was surprised at, at how uh, moved I was by to all of those. Them. To see all of those. But I, uh, th- I've also had, it's, it's interesting to be so accessible to readers also, yeah. um, which is, mostly good um, and sometimes a little odd. Well, I would think in your case with this book, I loved getting emails from people that liked my book mm -hmm. or whatever. I rarely got anything negative or anything like that. But I think people would pour their hearts out to you about their dog. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and you know, some someone told me too before, before, right before publication, you're, like, you're going to be dogs. the patron saint of dead dogs, and you know, I was like, oh god, you know, like I'm going to have to take a clonopin before every public right. appearance or something. But the, you know, the truth of it is like, I should be so lucky, you know, because right. it means that people are have really responded to something yes. that I've written, and um, you that, allow them to, you allow good. them access to their feelings. That they haven't been able to articulate. Right. So well, here's clearly, the thing. There, which I think is so much, um, just so much undealt with grief in the world. And and a lot of it is, is pet grief because there's no, you know, these are very close relationships that we have. But, you know, try getting a day off from work, you yeah. know, 
Or, um, you or know, it's kind of like her dog died a week ago, and she's still moping she's around. She's still moping around, right? And you know, I get it. <laughs> that would have been me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Six but you ago. don't know it until you've been no. through it. Like you don't get it, or until you have a dog, you you can imagine it. Now I'm sure, but but even then, you still you don't fully know until until you've been through it. And um, I, you know, and people will ask you that the same day. Oh, are you going to get another dog? Which is always the it was always the most offensive question. Right, to you me. really validate suggestion that, yeah. that this relationship is so replaceable. Yeah, um, and not not individual. I've never been that into dogs, and I. I would well, look yeah, what my, prompted you to get Enzo? Well, I, I I looked at people that had them, and, and I would think, God, oh, they're so into those fucking dogs. Yeah. Oh, do you want to invite them? No, they've got those fucking dogs. Like there was a part of me that was like that guy when I thought, isn't the world of people and life so fun and fabulous? And then that became less fun and fabulous. <laughs> and I found myself drawn to dogs, and I was having a lot of anxiety and depression issues. And when I spent time with people's friends' dogs, there was something about it that um, comforted me. And, uh, you know, and so I, I met some, some friends of mine had a... Um, a dog from uh, a certain organization, and mm-hmm. I liked that dog's energy. And so I went online, and I'd sort of been on Pet Finder, kind of like like grinder, yeah, <laughs> yeah or whatever. And there was this one dog, Enzo, that this organization had. And right. I went to the open house, and I, I walked in, and I said, I want to meet Enzo because he, he was so cute, and there was right, something right. about him. And they're like, Well, there he is on the table. All the other dogs were down on the ground. And I'm like, He's on the table. And they said, well, he likes, he seems to like people more than dogs or whatever. And I, I, it's not one of those stories where he saw me and he lit up and he ran right over. I said, hi. And I took him for a walk and, and they had a, um, adopt to, foster to adopt program. Yeah. So you don't have to, cause I'd never had a dog before in my life. Yeah. And so I, I said, yeah, I think I want to do the foster to adopt thing. And they they were like ready with the paperwork. Yeah. They're like, yeah. They've got it down. They gotta rack them, stack them up. We gotta yeah, move yeah, these yeah. dogs. We're, we're yeah. moving units. So it's yeah. like a rest, a diner, yeah. like. <laughs> and about two minutes after I said yes, I want to take him. This woman came in and she said, "I want to, I want to see Enzo." And they're like, "Oh, we're sorry, he's going home with Dennis." Yeah. And I like, I was like, "You damn right he is." Uh-huh. Like, I really, I yeah. was really, yeah. and um, I, I got him. I think. You know, for the reasons, the anxiety, but you just need somebody to say yes to you sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And they're a big fucking ball of yes, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. I got, I went a little there, but yeah. I think yeah, no, it's, a, it's emotional. It's very emotional. Yeah. But you're, but you get those emails. Yeah. I get the, I get those. Um, yeah. I get those, those. And what's it like? Do you cry when you read them sometimes? Yeah. Cause some of them are so fresh. Some of yeah. them are so fresh. They'll be like, my dog died last week and I read your book. And, but I, you know, and part of me wants to jump in like, no, no, you know, it's, it's maybe the book isn't for right now. You know, uh, it's hard to know when to, when to, you know, I just want to tell people like, you don't feel forced to read the book now. It's there right. when you're, when, when you you're ready. Need it. Uh, when well, you it's need also the it. kind of book that I was reading it and I wanted to give it to this friend and this friend and this yeah. friend. Um, yeah, it's, it's. It's a lot. What I love about it is because of where you go with the octopus and there's magical realism elements, but then the, what really happens is just very everyday life, ups and downs of everyday life. Yeah. You know, I, there's I, no car chases or, 
You know what? It's just like we went to the vet, and this is what happened. Well, yeah, there was an expansive section at sea, which, but you know, it's so interesting. The, the magical realism element sort of crept in, and, and they were a surprise to me. Like I didn't know, you and know, as I said, I didn't go go that like, I didn't know that it was going to go that. And when it started to go that way, I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? Uh, but I I, well, my so goal was, was I wanted to really write the emotional truth of something. If I, if I can write exactly the way that it felt, it didn't matter that there was an octopus or a big, you know, boat or right, this right, or right. that or um, the other thing. Um, I just wanted to write the how it felt. And I felt if I could do that, if I could really accomplish that, um, then, then the book would hopefully resonate. Um, but it is interesting cause I, cause you know, people, you know, it, it, it's a novel folks, but I have even close friends who still call me and be like, Oh, I need the name of your tattoo guy. And I was like, well, I don't have any yeah. tattoos. They're like, what? You know, or but there are probably lots of or, things. I don't remember you spending eight weeks at sea. And I was like, well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it is, it is, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, but but just to close out the the social media thing, the other thing too is like I, I have to remember like I'm working on a, a, another book right now, right. and I I have to have my phone taken away from me at times. Like I really have to turn because I I get anxious. Like if someone tweets me or someone posts their, a personal story, that I need to respond right away, and I, right. it's, it had to be a real sort of education. Like I I will respond as much as I can, but I also have to protect, yeah, you know, my time to work. Otherwise. There won't be any, you know. Tell me about the moment when the cover arrived and you looked at it for the first time. I remember that so vividly with Misadventures. Well, with all respect to Simon Schuster, the first cover they showed me was a disaster. It was just, it was just wrong. And I went into sort of... And you had, at least in my deal, I had what's called cover consultation. Yeah, cover consultation. Right, where you get get feedback, but they can ultimately do what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I was heartbroken because I thought, I I panicked. I was like, oh, this isn't reflective of... What was it like? Of anything. Oh, it was an actual shot of a puppy... but um, it ju- it was an actual photograph of a of a dachshund puppy. But it just it was just like that, like front and center. Like it looked like a Hallmark card to me, right? Um, like a kid's birthday card, right? And, I, can, I can picture it. Yeah, and I was just like, this doesn't reflect the thoughtfulness of the book. And so, but they, they abandoned that very quickly. All right, I had right, to right. put my, you know, I really came out. But it, but then I felt I'd played my cards with that. Uh, with that one, so I was really nervous. Right, about you have what to pick your battles. Or whatever. What would come next? And um, so this was, uh, you know, this was. This I like was that it has the texture too. It's it's a beautiful. We'll take a picture of it, but it's a beautiful blue, and it's a cute little picture of a dachshund. And yeah, when they came up with this, um, I think it was Rob who said, "Well, let's go play to this cover's strengths." And so it's the the type of paper, like uh, it has this watercolor texture to it that I right. really that's sort of evocative of the ocean and the sea yeah. and, and those sort of elements, and and I really like that. But yeah, it is. And the first time you hold it is galley, and then the first time you know all of those steps, first, yeah, so then, exciting. And then the first time you get it, at, you know, as a finished book, like to me, I I've talked about this a little before. Um, but I decide when, when Lily passed, I decided they give you like 72 hours to decide if you want her remains or right. whatever, or take her home. And I, I tried to imagine what that would be like. Like I couldn't imagine like a little box right. sitting on the bedside table or whatever. And every morning, like, good morning, 
Lily, and I'm using air quotes. Because, you know, I'm cynical enough that I would be like, you know, is that Lily or is that, uh, you know, some random cat cremains they just right. throw in a box yeah, and, like, yeah, go yeah. away. They got mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I ultimately decided not to not to bring um, her home in that way. But but holding the final book that first time, you know, like when I got to hold that, that book, I, it felt like a real, that felt like a real homecoming. Yeah. And that was that, that, really that, that was her. emotional. That was her. Because I have this, you know, even though it's a novel, the dog that's in this book is very much the dog that I had. And it is a wonderful sort of catalog of memories. Yeah. It's awesome. What's yeah. it like to sign them? That was thrilling at first. I really loved it. I still love it. Actually. Yeah, I, I, I. What you have a job where part of your job is to uh, sign your autograph. Yeah, that's kind of neat. It, it it is so. Do you uh, write fun. certain things? Is there something you use over and over again? A little bit. Um, it's so funny, you know, when you do these, you know, and I. Book publishing is changing in that, like, you know, they don't do big parties at the Chateau Marmont I, anymore. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The return on investment for them is not that. Great, probably. Right. But that's, you know, that sort of went out with the last of sort of... That was the fucking the 90s. Glamorous publishing in the, the 90s. 90s. And I I got it then. I yeah. appreciated it. You know, and, and, and my advance was like the, the, the beginner advance yeah. that you mentioned before. It was, you know, it was... Right. But you know what? I will say this about Misadventures. It was the one time in my career where the business part of it and the creative part of it... It just gelled. Gelled, and yeah. we're, we're fair and satisfying, and, and I, have, I have Rob Weisbach to thank for that. Did yeah. I tell you how I connected with him? No. Okay, it would have been mid-90s. I was writing a column for Detour Magazine called okay. Adventure in the 2 and 3. There was an article in Out Magazine about, I remember Birdcage was on the cover, and there was an article, a short article about Rob Weisbach Becoming the youngest person in publishing mm-hmm. to have his own imprint. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was some like a quote print. about looking for, you know, new voices or whatever. And he'd done, like, I think he did Ellen DeGeneres' yeah. book. He did a lot of those comic books. Did it, like, really, the Paul Reiser and yeah. the Jerry Seinfeld. And so he made a bunch of money and, and did well for them, and he got his own imprint. So I sent him out of the blue. I said, I read about you in Out Magazine. Uh, congratulations on your success. I've been writing this column for Detour Magazine for a while, and I... I think there's a book, book in there. In there. Yeah. I got a call like a day or two later. Like it's that so fast that you don't believe the yeah. mail even yeah. got there. <laughs> and this was mail. I don't think it was it might have been email, yeah, but I feel it like it was probably mail. And you know, he I, I wrote a sample chapter and outline. I did all the steps, yeah. but he encouraged me and, and we were off to the races. And it was it was something that I I really cherish. I, I didn't take it for granted. I knew that it was like, I'd already been kicking around a while. Yeah. And it was really neat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's one of those, and I got the deal first and then I got the agent. Agent, yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And I, I still have not had, the word agent, I have not had a good uh, association yeah. with those in my life. Um, one of the coolest things that I've experienced is like people that you would meet that you would never have met otherwise experiences that you've had like I have still friend, friends that I met through the book somehow through the meeting like it just kind of elbows your walls of your world down in a really amazing way yeah particularly um, you know with social media now too and as I said as that that access people have to you and, and I've met um, yeah I've met some some people who have become good friends now 
too, just just through the the process. Um, it's really amazing. But I was going to go back to they did send me on a tour, which was nice, and it is fun. It's very fun to sign books. It's so overwhelming when you're up there. Like even people you know will come up front and, and you'll blank on their name. Yeah. Like so, reaction is fun to sign. It's fun to sign my name, but the idea of of a big book signing. Right. It can be very overwhelming. Like, I'm, bl- like, I'm like, um, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on your name. And they're like, I'm your first cousin. Right. It's like, do you spell that with a one S T or, yeah. uh, you know, like <laughs> it's really, it's really crazy. Um, and then, and then people will come up to you and be like, I want you to write something deeply personal to me. And I'll right. be like, you know, you're like, you're right. You know, dance for us, Jester. Yeah. You know, you're a writer, right. Um, and it's so overwhelming in that there, in that moment. But I love going to bookstores. Hey, you know, I've written this book. Would you like me to sign some stock? Like, I love doing that. I was relentless because yeah. I yeah, because they put that little that sticker on it, and then it helps. Yeah, they'll, help they'll, they'll it. position it better. Yeah, I would go to every store. I went all over the place, and um, I have this message that I saved from my agent at the time. Saying that I had, I was on the LA Times bestseller list a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, and then mm-hmm. I fall off, and then I went back up. Yeah, and she called me and said, "Hey, you're back on in the top fifteen or whatever." Right. And, and she goes, "I think it's because you went, you went around and signed." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but and the, that was that made me feel really good because I was because you do feel helpless a little bit as an author. So whenever you can do something to try to help your cause, I was a huge self promoter. Like yeah. I, 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 some people I don't think have that gene necessarily. Yeah. I realized, like, oh, this isn't a train that's just going to... I'm going to hop on and it's going to take me. Yeah. I have to do this. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be at the engine. Or you have to be shoveling the coal into Uh, the... All of it. And especially now with social media, it's so different I don't know how trains work. I don't know. (laughs) There's a coal there. It's science that's not meant to be understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the weird thing to me is no one ever questions me. It's not like I don't have ID in the back of the book, my photos in the back jacket, but no one ever looks. I could, I feel like I could walk in and be like, "I'm beloved author Mary Higgins Clark. I'm here right. to sign some books," and they'd be like, "Great, here's a here's a sharpie." But I still also have a soft spot for certain stores. Certain, oh, I like love. I remember there was a big champion of mine at a Borders in Virginia. Yeah, and yeah. they, um, and I remember doing. Um, a reading there for screening party, my second book, mm-hmm. during the snipers shooting in DC. Ooh, Remember that? Yeah, or, that was, the, yeah, the, yeah. it was so scary. And I was like, was is anybody going to come? Yeah. And I got there, and they had made all these treats based on things in the book, like stuff. To, and it was uh, like people braved the sniper and came out. Yeah, and, it, it's amazing. At the Rancho Santa Fe Library, I did a reading down there, and they, um, one of the librarians had baked gingerbread dachshunds. Oh, and it's just like. This, those sort of things you don't forget. Uh, it's also interesting the the relationships that I've built with booksellers. It's something that I never would have imagined when writing a book. But if, I mean, like, of course, writers, and booksellers, like it's so, such a symbiotic relationship. But it, it's something I had never imagined from the outset. But I think what's special about it, and it may be different than some other art forms, especially like screenwriting and stuff like that, is, and I think this is true in your case for sure, is. Who they meet is this book. I mean, yes, yeah. you fictionalize some of it, but yeah. I think who who I am in Misadventures or who I my voice, yeah. that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like, yeah, that's not... I'm, I play a doctor on TV. Right. It's very much... It's personal. It's very personal. And, and that connection that they feel is based on yeah. real stuff. Yeah. Um, I know. And, that, and that's good, and that's also scary. Because I remember... 
Well, I remember the one of the very first. So this was on. Are you familiar with Goodreads? Yes, I'm on so, there, but I don't use it a lot. I don't use. It, yeah. I didn't. I, so I learned how to use it through this experience. Yeah, it's I didn't important. Know it before, but but they were Goodreads was. Um, we, Simon Schuster gave a lot of copies of the book away through Goodreads early on to build reviews and in, in the releases, and it was largely a very positive experience. But I remember there was one woman named Shirley who just posted early on like. Everyone needs to know this book is about a F-bomb dropping gay. Do not read one That's going to be the title of this podcast, yeah. by the way. I'm yeah. always looking for that one good, quote. Good, good, good. And I was like, God bless you, Shirley. Because I begged Simon Schuster. I was like, can we please put that on the cover as one of the, you know. If I take a badge that, of honor. Get, it was a badge of honor. Right. I, that you could that still be, people can still get. Poor Shirley wanted the sweet dog book and she, had and to deal she with, got an f-bomb she got an f-bomb dropping, dropping not a. an f-bomb dropping guy to surely it was a f-bomb dropping guy, yeah which, well which made me laugh um that was that was really funny i had someplace else i was going with this but i know well there's so much going on there's so much to talk about yeah uh because i love i get i've getting to relive my experience with publishing and being an author through you and that's making me uh kind of excited and it's, it's just interesting um, oh, oh! I, I know what I was doing. The, the other, the, the flip side of that sort of um, about it being so deeply personal is I remember Simon Schuster wrote some questions for book groups, and uh, which you can access online. It'll probably be in the, the paperback copy or something. But um, one of the questions was, you know, what do you think about the narrator's? Uh, what do you think about the Byron character? Do you think he and the narrator have any future together? And then, like immediately when I read that, I was regretting allowing that name of that character to be the same as. Right. As my boyfriend's name, because I was like, oh God, I could just picture women drinking white wine across the country, weighing in on my like relationship. Mr. Like, like it's Mr. Big versus yeah, Aiden. Exactly, exactly. Versus everything. Yeah. yeah, I love that part of it. I love that it's very um, everyday and yet full of magic and and uh, something can something can lift. Like you can feel yeah. a cloud lifting yeah. in a beautiful way that doesn't feel, um, it feels like it could happen. And it did happen. What's the most random thing that's come out of it for you? You know, I got to go on some weird random movie reviews, some show, or, like, there's some kind of, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that, or whatever. Yeah, it's still, um, it's still happening. I've been invited to, like, sort of, um, a dog festival, you know, there's, Southern California is a wiener, wiener fest, right. I think it's called, because Lily was a dachshund, and stuff like that, so, um. How do dachshunds fucking exist? Isn't How do weird, they walk? Right. How do they exist? You look at them. They're they're a living slinky. It is. It, it's just like a toy story movie. How long between Lily's front legs and back legs? Like a foot. Goodness, yeah, like a foot, probably. They're amazing. But you know, but there's some like weird things like I can't imagine. Like I could never have imagined that the the book sold really well overseas. So it's in it's going to be in 19 countries or different languages and things like that, which That's is incredible. incredible. And someone sent me a photo of the book on shelves in a store in South Africa, and I just I got very emotional looking at this photograph because I thought here was this girl, this old lady with. Ridiculously small legs. This dog that I had, tiny, tiny legs, and now she's traveled all the way to to the you know the Cape of the Horn of Africa. Right. Like, it's incredible. It is really hard to process. So I think that's been um, you know, and all over South American countries, European countries, Asian countries, um, Russia. And Estonia. they did it soon. They made it happen soon. Sometimes it feels like it yeah, takes a, a while. while. But people responded to this book 
right away. And I thought, I, I, there was something about me that, that thought the way that we treat our dogs here is sort of a uniquely North American phenomenon. Right. But people are crazy for their dogs the world over. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Did, and you feed um, Lily ice cream? I did, what yeah. Because I don't know what, like, well, human never, food I, to give ice cream, to give Enzo once in a while, or, like, for a special thing. What's the special thing I should do? Uh, well, you know, the ice cream, just avoid any chocolate. Chocolate, yes. Obviously. Um, I had to learn that. And then, um, you know, well, so, so we have a dog now uh, named Tilda. Right. Who's asleep on the kitchen floor here. And uh, she says, boy, through, through this, like, sh- she got really lucky because we adopted her right around the time the book deal was happening. So I was like, oh, man, you struck the lottery. You won the lottery. Uh, because she gets she gets this food from um, this store called Just, food? Just Food for Dogs. On Santa Monica Boulevard. On Santa Monica Boulevard. And it's what she eats, it's like fresh Pacific cod and sweet potato and green bean. And, and like, I look at this food, you know, and it's made fresh and right. constantly going to pick up dog food. And, and uh, like, I look at that food and I'm like, I would eat that. Right. I, I, I would eat the shit out of it. I would eat the shit out of it. And not only that, if I had someone scooping it out for me, like po- controlling the portions, like right. I would be in such great shape. I love that. I would be in such great shape. I know. Cause I, I was like, Tilda and I could be on the same diet. I just picked something from Ralph's that yeah. like seemed kind of good. And yeah. I don't know. But, but there they have little about. frozen um, treats, little frozen like, oh, so yogurty like, type frozen treats. Frozen treats at Just Food for Dogs? Yeah, Just Food for Dogs. All and right, they, and they're not that. that expensive. You just Yeah, just for once in a while. Things. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Um, do you feel like tough act to follow in this? How yeah, do you feel well, forward? well, um, I, I'm working on, uh, I'm just finishing a second book. and That's um, amazing. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really proud of it, and I, I feel like, tough act to follow, I feel like I'm a better writer now, so I'm, I'm proud of this book. Uh, however, the, the whole magical experience that this first book has been, yeah, it won't, I can't, that won't ever be duplicated. I don't think. I, I, just, I, I, I think that's true for a lot of authors that have yeah. the moment. Like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that with "You Pray Love." Yeah, like it, it, it's it's your work, but it catches something in yeah. people, and yeah. it's lightning in a bottle. I yeah, guess. it is. It's it's you can't duplicate that connection. Like people feel a deep connection to this book in a way that's so humbling to me, and I can't. Have you walked around and seen people reading it, like in airports and stuff? Um, that hasn't happened to me yet, although I'm always on the lookout for it. Although I did get recognized for the first time, like in a restaurant. Oh, amazing. Uh, and someone came up to me and said, you know, are you Stephen Rowley? Did you write Lily and the Octopus? And I was like, yeah. I thought it was about to be served. Right. You know? Exactly. Here's a, you're, you've been. Here's a summons. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then she said, "You're a f bomb. You're, you're an f bomb dropping gay. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, no, no. It was it was sweet. She, and she started to tear up, and you know, told me how much the book meant to her, and that was, uh, you know, that's just crazy. I wanted to know everything. How did you know who I was? You know, that's so but, cool. Yeah. Is there talk of a movie? Would you ever adapt it? Uh, there is talk of a movie. Um, uh, I can't say too much about it at the moment. That's exciting, it's, it's though. It's happening as we speak. But um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm of two minds about it. One, I, there are some writers who've done very, very successful 
adaptations of their own work. I think of Emma Donoghue with Room last yes, year, which incredible. I thought was so amazing. Incredible. It is so amazing. And I actually thought Gillian Flynn did a great job with, with Gone, Gone Girl. Girl. That's a tough adaptation. And, and Stephen Chbosky with Portrait yeah, with of the Wildflower. Portrait, yeah, exactly. He directed as well. Yeah. Though, those, and you've written for I, And I have written for So, So there is part of me that, um, uh, you know, the interesting thing is when I sat down to write it as a book, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to embrace this being a book. And I'm going to do everything I can't do as a screenwriter. I'm going to make it very internal. Right. I'm going to um, not worry about how something would be filmed. So, you know, right. dog, octopus, talking, sea battles, you know, whatever. I'm just right. going to throw it all in there. And I'm not going to worry about a producer saying, how would we film this or how expensive yeah, would this Yeah, how are you going to get a dog to yeah. grab the thing? Like, yeah. You talk about him doing yeah, all yeah, the yeah. physical things. Yeah. Uh so I, you know, I, it was. Like, it'll oh, be shit. a challenge yeah, for a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. And some days I think, you know, I would really like that challenge. And other days I think, um, you know, you know, the, the reason why novelists should not always adapt their own work is because the first thing you have to do is cut, yeah, cut, 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 and rip sometimes some of the heart out of it. It's, it's a challenge because you can't, you know, not everything in a book can make it into a film. So it is. A, it is a challenge. I heard someone say it's like. It's like performing open heart surgery on your own child or something. Wow. All right. That's a that's a lot. That's a lot. That would be hard. Yeah. All right. You picked some questions from the observation deck. I did. Uh, who's the most famous person you've been in an elevator with? Ah, uh, for so after I lived here for five years or so, I got an opportunity to for a job as, as a publicist with the Tony Awards in in New York. And oh, I thought, that's amazing. I thought, oh, I'm going to um, I'm going to go to New York. Everyone should try living in New York. I thought, and um, I still think that. And uh, this was the op- my opportunity to do it. So I worked for the Tony Awards for a year. And backstage at the Tony Awards, there was one of these elevators between, you know, in the back of the theater. Um, I was in an elevator by myself with um, Arthur Miller. Oh my God. This was in 1999. Holy shit. And, How old would he have been? Oh, 80s. Okay. I'm seeing a view from the bridge in a few weeks. Yeah. He's probably my favorite playwright. Yeah. I really love him. Mine too. Mine too. And, and what, uh, did you say anything? No, because the only thing that could run through my head was tituba, 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 tituba. Right. You know, like, from the I felt like Goody Proctor. I was yeah, just going to yeah, yeah. point at him and be like, you're a witch. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I, you know, my heart nearly stopped. It was just, it was just one of, just, I was like, I'm just standing next to greatness. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Was and it was fun? over as fast as it began. Was the, it a fun gig, the Tony? The Tony Awards. Oh, it was. What a way to live in New York to be able to see, yes. you know, every show. What, were the, what was the year? What were the big this, musicals? The, um, the year it was it was '99. So it, we were we were lacking a big musical, unfortunately, which is the right. only thing that kept it short for, of of a truly truly magic experience. Uh, Fosse won that year, which was okay. sort of just like a retrospective, right? Kind right, of right. Thing. All right. Um, you know, it was right before some big musicals. There you go. Uh, have you ever been starstruck? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I peed next to Mandy Patinkin at the Sunset Five once. And That's I amazing. Yeah, I did not peek. Uh, but I no. was just, I just remember being like, uh. Um, I met, uh, tw- twice I've had the opportunity to meet Julie Andrews. And that was really something to me. My mom and I used to watch The Sound of Music. That was the first kids, movie I ever so. saw. And, and my mother took me to. It's the only movie she ever took me yeah, to. Yeah, my mother practically had to tie me to a chair. Because I would be like, you know, I was like, I'm not watching a movie about nuns. And they're singing, you know, like, the, yeah. even as a kid, I was, and it's, what, four hours when they aired on yeah, NBC at lot. Easter or whatever. And, uh, 
But I, but as soon as it started, I was spellbound. I love it. And what was she like? To meet her, I, she is. Ju- I mean, it is just like meeting royalty. It was very quick interactions, but there is just a grace and an air, and the, the, voice. the way she moves and the voice, and um, it was it was really spectacular. There is some, like when you move to L.A. when you live in L.A. for a while. Anyone who's become famous after I moved here, it's completely demystified. You know, like, I know how they got famous. I know how it works. I know what game they play. I know what hoops they jump through. But people who were famous from before I moved here are still when I get. Right. Uh, you know, like... That's... The people from your childhood. They yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem still like movie stars. You know, like Warren Beatty, movie yeah. star. He's got a movie coming out. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, who were your TV crushes or movie crushes? Oh, God. When I was a kid, it was... Because um, uh, we're about the same age. I had such a crush on Jason Bateman. Really? It was a short-lived series called It's Your Move. Okay. Um, where I think his his mom was dating a new guy, and it was like he was this sort of inventive, crafty kid who did everything he can to sabotage that right. relationship. And he just seemed effortlessly... Cool. He probably had really good hair. Yeah, too. and had great hair. Yeah, too. Uh, yeah, and I did get a, a, I did get an unfortunate perm my freshman or sophomore year in high school because I wanted hair like Kirk Cameron's. Yeah, you're, that's what you were shooting for. Little yeah. did you know. Little did I know what one. You would he's a monster. Everything. And two, God would then take all my hair as right. Um What's the most trouble you got in, in school? Uh, God, I remember in elementary school we would climb to the top of what we called the monkey bars. Some, right. some sort of playground activity. Yeah. And we would, I would sit up there with a couple other boys and we would scream extra, extra, read all about it. All the girls are mental retarded. Which doesn't really rhyme. It's grammatically wrong and it's, you know, very not PC. Very not PC. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the irony being, like, I was probably much more interested in doing what the girls were doing. On, you know, wanting to right. play with what they were playing with on the playground at the time. But, yeah, teachers did not take kindly to that. Um, first time you saw Dirty Magazine? Wow. I don't know. I can't remember the first time I saw a Dirty Magazine. The first time I owned a Dirty Magazine, right. there was um, a kid in my high school uh, who had probably, probably stayed back a few times because he was over 18 and could could purchase them and uh his name was rambo dan kennedy it was dan that sounds dan like a guy name. with a hookup yeah but but he dressed he wore so this is the 80s uh high school in the 80s so he wore full face paint every day like a red sash he tied around the side of his head and okay and like fatigues and like it's something you would never be allowed you know yeah because now already you it's know like he's Columbine a school shooter moment. and you know but yeah. he was a nice he was a really nice guy he was just Rambo Dan sure and you would go to Rambo Dan and you'd be like hey Rambo Dan um, here's five bucks I really want to get and he would once a week he would go to and buy a shit ton of porn right at, and hand it out at at school he was like a he had a little porn side yeah business. he had a, a side business um, what and, did you buy well I remember that because I had scouted it out you know like you know how to go and like slip it inside. Popular mechanics. Oh, I did that. Pretend to read. Hot. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it like a playgirl or something? Yes. It was yeah. a convenience store in my hometown. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. god. I want to circle back to that one second. Oh my god. But, but I, I couldn't straight up ask for a playgirl, which is what I really wanted. Of course. Because I would, you know, I would, would have been busted. Uh, but 
Uh, I knew there was like a there was a magazine that did like reviews of of pornographic films, right? And in that, they would show lots of stills. So there were lots of so guys, more guys, there were guys than your average, there were, than your average. So I yeah. would like that. And he was like, "Why do you want that?" And I was like, "Um, you know, because I need to imagine myself." You know, with the girl, right. and that helps me. And right you now, but Ram- Rambo Dan was not judgmental. He didn't so care. He didn't he care. Sent the Moose Munich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he I would love range. to know where he is today. Maybe I, you know, you'll I meet no him idea. through this book. Maybe. 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 Lily, I Lily, Lily will bring you back, back to, to, Rambo get to Rambo Dan. Dan. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a good one. What a character. Oh my god! So when you got your deal, did you go and splurge on something special for yourself? Um. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a. It does seem like, oh yeah, like I should get a you know a boat or a. I went. Know. I went and bought. <laughs> when I got my book deal, I remember buying. I don't even know from where, like Pier One Imports or somewhere, like a screen that a room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Put pictures uh-huh, in. Uh-huh. And I remember feeling like, like that was ooh, my piece. Yeah. Those were that, so that was my diamond ring or my mink coat. Yeah. And then I remember selling it at a garage sale later for like five dollars, uh-huh. and I just thought like. Oh, shit. oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yes. Yeah. The biggest thing for me was that I, I quit a day job. Yeah. Some writing full time. That was my gift. How does that to feel? Myself. Uh, I, I mean, it's an, it's an extraordinary feeling to be able to do that. The, um, the, the weird thing that I never anticipated is I work harder now than I ever have. That's you know, great. when it's for yourself. You know, when you want to, I've got mom, I've got momentum now. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. This, and I don't somebody want to gives a shit. Squander it because there are a lot of people looking over my shoulders, yeah. ready to take their turn. To right. so, yeah, I, I work very, very hard. But at least it's I'm working at things that I'm passionate about, and that feels really good. How does the writing come? Do you do you, do you feel like you're in a pretty good flow or? Uh, like. Like anything, there are days when it flows and there are days when it's still a slog. Right. It can be a slog. Um, but uh, at least now I have the flexibility. I mean, before, what was really hard with writing with the, with the day job, if it doesn't come, like, you know, when you, you if you've got two got, hours in yeah. a day and it doesn't come, like, you feel like you've wasted a day. At least now I can get up, I can go to the gym, I can move right. around, I can walk the dog, and I have, I have the freedom to come back to it later. So I love that. Can you tell us anything about your second book? Uh, it is, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not under contract for it. So this is a nerve wracking thing where I'm, I'm just about to show it to the, to the publisher and we'll see if this is, this is a, if I'm a one hit wonder or this is a potential career. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, everyone wants to know if it's about a dog, it's about a dog. It's not about a dog this time. I didn't want to get pigeonholed in that, but it's, uh, it's also an emotional story that is, uh, about mothers and sons. I love that. Yeah. Do you follow the bestseller list? Do I you, do. Like, hear I hear about it. Do you check it out? I yeah. Of course I do. Of course I do. But now I think back, like you know, a year ago I would obsessively like um, you know Google myself. Uh, when did the book come out? In, in June, just in June. So just recently. But like you know, I would check Twitter every day right, right, right. And to see if anyone was talking about. It. I would check Goodreads. I would right. you know, and now all these things like I can't. You can't do that sort of thing when you're actively writing because you don't want negative voices in your head, but you also don't want an inflated sense of your own self in your head either. Like you have to put blinders on in order to create sometimes. So I think about all the stuff that I used to do and now I'm like, I can't, I can't have any part of it. Has Oprah read it? 
Where's Oprah on this book? Has uh, she weighed in? You know, she hasn't weighed in. God I think Oprah, Oprah would love this Oprah book. Oprah would love this book. Because, you know, she's a passionate dog yes, lover. Yes, of course. Um, so is Ellen. I would love it if Ellen... There are... Um, you know, on top of everything else, it is it is a gay book, too. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I hate it when people will be like, well, it's just a, you know, a story where the person just happens to be gay. Well... No, it's it's more informed than that. You know, that my, sort of phrase drives me crazy. Isn't it? Doesn't it drive you nuts? Because, well, also because the people that say it always act like they just thought of it and they think they're so brilliant. Like, like they'll be on a panel and they'll say, "Well, I do, this is a story about people that happen yeah. to be gay." Like, yeah. see how clever I am. But I also find it um, uh, minimizing or or a diss. In a yeah, way. yeah. Well, I mean, this is this book is very much my voice, and my voice is very much informed by my being a gay man. My pop right. cultural references, my politics, my humor, my my um, um, like, don't my you have, like, compassion bad movie for night other with people. Lily, or you have movie yeah, night with yeah, Lily. Yeah. Like, like some of the references. Yeah. Isn't yeah. there a Xanadu reference? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So, it's, you know, of course it, it it's it has a very gay sensibility. There's not, you know, graphic sex in it, but it's, it's a very gay sensibility. Right. Um, so I would love it. You know, Andy Cohen has a dog. Anderson Cooper has a dog. There I would love know. to get these people reading it. So if, yeah, you've got yeah, any, yeah. if you've got the hookup, let me know. Do you want to hear the most cynical thing I've ever done? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to relive all of my stuff through you, and that's good and bad. I remember when my book first came out. This is dark. Um... John F. Kennedy crashed. Uh, and I thought about, wouldn't it be smart of me to go um, throw my book on the beach? <laughs> oh, washed up, like joy, like, and, uh, with sis- barnacles yes, on it. Yes, and the sister could have been reading. It doesn't yeah. have to be John or yeah. Carolyn. It could, yeah. have been anyway, the sister. it could have been the sister. Dear whatever, thanks. Yeah. hope you enjoy the book on your vacation. <laughs> your friend. Dennis Hensley. Forever. Yeah. I really should have done, that could have been... Yeah, that, that could have I been really should have done groundbreaking. That. I wasn't in thinking terms clearly. Of marketing, yeah, it was really smart of me. Throw, just throw it on the beach. Yeah, get it the right amount of wet. You, <laughs> you would have to make sure that the pen was was like waterproof ink, so that that didn't right. go there. But then they would have found some way to test for it, and and I would have been busted like Brian Lo- Brian Lochte, and I would have been shamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all right, I could talk to you all day long. Uh, how can people find out more about what you do, Twitter, website? Yeah, yeah, stuff? yeah. I'm on social media at Mr. Stephen Rowley, Stephen yeah. with a V. Um, and, uh, and then I have a website, StephenRowley.com also. Um, so yeah, look so for pick me. up the book. When's the paperback out? I don't know. There's not a date yet. It's still We're selling well in hardcover, so. What's the highest you went on New York Times? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, did, I didn't make... The book was a national bestseller because yeah. uh, it made some other national bestseller list, but it did not make the New York Times God list. damn it. Because they if, have their own secret We'd throw it on the beach. I know, exactly. Yeah. Because um, yeah. mine was LA Times bestseller, yeah. but not New York. Yeah. And so I, I always... Whenever I, whenever I back then would say a best-selling author, yeah. I always felt like there was a little asterisk. Asterisk there. I know. I would love. I would love if the paperback made the the New York Times list. They have their own sauce. Um, yeah. I think it probably was it. You know, they they really do the top fifteen, and then fifteen to twenty is extended list. And I think I made it as high as thirty or so. Love it. And you're all over the world. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, it's really really extraordinary. It's something I never could have dreamed up. Same cover everywhere, or do they mix? Uh, it up? No, different covers, different countries, different covers. I love it. Do you yeah. have one? Like, do you need to like? I do. I have off? the Italian version. Ooh, which I, I want to love. I want to see that. You. As, yeah, you know. Yeah, I want to take a picture of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, last question: Why do you write? Uh, 
Because I, I, I just have, I think even since childhood, I just want, uh, my brain is filled with questions and I want to find the answers. I love it. All right. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on your success. Pick up Lily and the Octopus. You will love it. You'll laugh. You'll cry. And it will really move and surprise you. Yeah, so. and it probably pairs well with Misadventures, too. So. Yeah, exactly. Got, do a double Yeah, do a two-pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pick up Misadventures for a penny on Amazon. <laughs> but I'm not bitter. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Stephen Rowley. Pick up his book. It's terrific. It's Lily and the Octopus. And if you happen to be an octopus, pick up eight. One for each hand. Give them away to friends. Oprah does that all the time. She's like, I loved your book. I bought 50 of them. You know, like, oh, to hear that from Oprah would be amazing. Um, Okay, so this happened. I got to go to the launch party of Logo's Finding Prince Charming, the new dating show hosted by Lance Bass with uh, gay bachelors. And there's none of them are straight. It's all, like, totally on the level gay bachelors. Um, And it was a nice party. It was at Hyde on Sunset. There were plenty of seats. You could see the screens. It wasn't too crowded. Uh, Lance Bass was there, and The Bachelor, Robert Sepulveda, I think is his name, uh, was there, and I got to meet him. He was very nice, and he does have a way of looking at you that makes you feel like you're the only woman in the world. Um, I'm starting to have feelings for him, and it scares me. Uh, My favorite moment is we were talking in a clump, Robert, The Bachelor, me and a couple friends, including my friend Glenn Gaylord, former podcast guest, and at one point Glenn goes to The Bachelor, he kind of taps him, he goes, can I steal you away for a second? Uh, which is what they always say on every first episode of The Bachelor when they're trying to get some FaceTime with The Batch. And Glenn was like, I'm just kidding, I just always wanted to say that. So, um, I like The Bachelor. I thought I liked the show, I thought it was exactly what, it's like The Gay Bachelor. I'm in. I predict it's going to be the guy that says he's flexible. I just have a feeling about it. I don't have good feelings about anything lasting in their relationship but that's who I'm that's my pony that I'm betting on um there's a controversy because apparently Robert Sepulveda the bachelor my personal friend was uh allegedly a rent boy back in the day to get by I don't care good for him you know if you can anything you anyone anything anyone can do to make a buck in this world anymore I salute if it doesn't involve killing people or animals Because I love animals, right, Enzo? He's looking at me like, what are you doing? You're just talking into space. Um, That's about it. So, um, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, I hope you subscribe. Um, Tell your friends about it. Uh, Visit DennisAnyone.net. Follow me on Twitter at Hensley Dennis. And uh, like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. That would be awesome. All right, we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.